0: Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who, re- who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, uh, But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved.
1: Thank you, David. So- I'm Aaron Johnson, and I thank the elders for uh, entrusting the pulpit with me this morning. So we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 39, under the title of Persevere and Draw Near to God. Persevere and Draw Near to God. Back in the olden days, I had a friend called Ian Boulder. Ian Boulder had a, a brother called Trevor. Now, Trevor was, Trevor Boulder was the bass player in, with David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars, and he went on to be the bass player for a rock band called Uriah Heap. I met him a number of times, and he was a very, very nice gentleman. He told me that if ever his band came to play in Newcastle, where I lived, then I was to go along and ask for a a backstage pass. Well, not being shy about these things, I did. I boldly went along. and knocked on the the stage door of Newcastle City Hall, and I, I asked the security guard, Is Trevor here, please? He told me to come and ask for him. So, a few minutes later, Trevor appeared, and he gave me a backstage pass with these wonderful words, access all areas. So my friend and I went into the main auditorium and we chose some very good seats. After a while, we thought we'd go upstairs and watch the band from there, just because we could. And at the end of the concert, we went backstage and had drinks with the band because our, our past said, access all areas. With my access all areas, I felt invincible. No one could stop me from going anywhere that I liked. I I had no right to be anywhere I liked, but with my pass, I could go there. This pass granted me access anywhere, essentially, that Trevor could go. Now, the writer to the Hebrews tells every Christian, you and I, that we have something infinitely better than a backstage pass to a rock band. We have access to the most holy place, it says in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, so we, we have access there in the very presence of God because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These Christians in... Gentlemen, could you run it, please? The, the screen over here isn't responding, so I'm not sure where we're up to. Um, no, no, blank. So, the Christians in the 21st century who these, this letter was written to, they're, they're feeling depressed and down, they're feeling discouraged, they're feeling oppressed, and they're thinking of giving up meeting together because it's just so hard. But they're told this staggering news that they are welcomed into the presence, the very presence of Almighty God, because of their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we have... My message this morning, under three titles, The Way to God is Glorious, and we'll spend most of our time there. Number two, The Way to God May Be Dreadful. And number three, The Way to God May Be Difficult. So number one, The Way to God is Glorious. Now we know that this letter was written to people who had been brought up in the old Jewish system of sacrifices in the temple but they've left that behind and they're now turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. These people will have probably gone to the temple many times and they've witnessed the sacrifices there. They've seen the the holy place where they were not allowed to go and they knew that beyond the holy place was the Holy of Holies where they were not allowed to go. The, The Holy of Holies was the place where only the high priest was allowed to go And he had to be from the tribe of Levi. He was only allowed there once a year on the Day of Atonement. They all knew this. Now this Holy of Holies represented the presence of God. And it was like a massive no-entry sign to the people. No ordinary priests could enter the Holy of Holies. And therefore the presence of God. No... No one from any of the other 11 tribes could enter. Only a a priest from the tribe of Levi could enter the Holy of Holies. So people from the tribe of Simeon or Benjamin or Reuben or Naphtali, none of these could ever, ever enter the Holy of Holies. Not politically correct whatsoever, but no woman ever entered the Holy of Holies priests had to be male, and no Gentiles ever entered the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. But this letter to the Hebrews tells, that, tells the, these Christians that because of their faith in the Lord Jesus, every one of them is welcomed into the presence of God. This is radical stuff. They'll be welcomed. So, you're, you're not a high priest, you're welcome. You're not a Levi, you are welcome. Ladies, you are now welcome into the presence of God. And you're not a Jew. You are welcome. Welcome into the presence of God. And you can come boldly. You can come with confidence because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross. You and I even, even you and I are welcomed into the presence of Almighty God if we've trusted in the blood of Jesus to cover our sin and rebellion. Now the curtain mentioned in verse 20, we can enter uh, the, the, the most holy place by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Now the curtain mentioned there would be originally the one that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. On the day of atonement when the high priest went through the curtain and into the holy of holies, into the symbolically presence of God area, then you know what? He entered with fear in his heart. He entered with fear in his heart. He would not know in his heart if he'd done everything correctly. Have I done everything right? Have I I made the sacrifices for my own sins? Have I made the sacrifices for for the people? Have I made the sacrifice for their sins? Have I done it right? Will God accept me or will God obliterate me? And once he'd entered the presence of God, well, he had to leave. He couldn't stay there very long. After a while, he had to leave. But you folks, good people of but you can come boldly. You can come and you will stay. And you can come confidently and joyfully. God wants you to come because the blood of Jesus Christ has opened up the way for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 22. Verse 22 says, So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we need to take full advantage of this privilege. We come without fear and without trembling. There's a story in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Zechariah, about a man called Joshua. Not Joshua, who marched round the walls of Jericho, not that one, different Joshua. This man, Joshua, stood before the angel of God. And in Zechariah 3, verse 3, we read, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin. And I will put fine garments on you. The filthy clothes that Joshua was wearing was a picture of his sins, and they were removed, and without cost to him, a new set of clothes were given. So now he can stand pure and spotless before Almighty God. These sin, his sins have been removed, and the new clothes are. A gift of grace, God's kindness to people who don't deserve it. So he stands pure and spotless before almighty God. I think this is the picture that perhaps the writer to the Hebrews has, that this would be you and I, that our sins have been removed like a dirty old clothes and new clothes, which are pure and spotless are given. All of God's free grace to us. That we can start with our sins completely and forever removed from us. And that that guilty conscience which, which does such dreadful work inside us, doesn't it? That guilty conscience that we have. It's dealt with. It's dealt with. Our guilty conscience is cleansed permanently and forever. That's, that's wonderful, folks. That's wonderful. So verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I know you're, you're singing that in your, your song, your, your head now, aren't you? Hold on to your faith, you who are doubting, you who are dithering, you who are in danger of drifting away from the church and away from the Lord Jesus, don't give up, folks. Don't give up. As as you've seen many others do, stick at it until the end. Now, you may be finding it tough to stay with the Lord Jesus, but press on, it's worth it. Because you know what? The rewards of sticking to your faith literally are out of this world. Verse Verse 24, Let's not consider how, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Having spent about a year in this church, I know that many of you show great love to one another, great love to the community, great love to the Lord Jesus. Many of you serve the church, serve the community, serve the Lord your God. In many many different ways and (laughs) the writer says keep on doing it but do even more do even more love more do more works of service set out on a course of love and good works that will inspire other church members to imitate you or you may shame them into imitating you never say I'm going to love other people when they love me. No, we don't do that. Never say, I will open up my home and show hospitality to other people when they invite me to their house. No, we don't do that. Never say, I'll visit somebody who is sick because they visited me when I was sick. No, no, that's the way of the world. That's not the way of the Christian. Visit the sick, says the Bible. And never say, I'll be generous with my time and my money when others show that to me. No, we, we don't do that. We can do better than that. Spur one another towards love and good deeds. And verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. One of my favorite pictures of the the church family is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 4, it says, you also are like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So we, each one of us, is like a living stone. Now, one brick by itself, or just a a small pile of loose bricks, that's, that's not much good for anything, is it? A one brick or a couple of loose bricks, they're no use to anybody, but when they're joined together in a wall and cemented together by love, then they are incredibly useful. You see, the thing is, if each one of us is a brick, then we are placed strategically in the wall. And what happens is we have bricks either side of us that we're rubbing shoulders with, yeah? You're rubbing shoulders with with other bricks right now as we sit together in the seats. And when somebody, if, if this is your brick, when somebody is going through a hard time, then you are supporting them. And when you are going through a hard time, they are supporting you. And this is the way that a church family works. We rub shoulders one an- with one another. We support one another when we're going through a tough time. And they support us when we are going through a tough time. So this is how we are a liv- a living stones together, cemented together in our love for the Lord Jesus. You know... One of the, do you know what one of the loudest sounds in a local church is? One of the loudest sounds in a local church is an empty seat. The seat where you usually sit, because we're creatures of habit and we gravitate in seats, don't we? So if, if you are not there and your regular seat is empty, then that's one of the loudest sounds in the church because it says this person is missing. Your local church, this church, is a place where every individual is needed. Every individual is important. Guys, you matter. You matter to the whole fellowship. To meet together as a church family is good for you. Because your brothers and sisters here will encourage you to stay on the straight and narrow. But also you are good your brothers and sisters as you encourage them to stay on the street and narrow you come to church to be blessed but you also come to be a blessing to one another don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing now, somebody might say but you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. We've all heard that statement, haven't we? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that is true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian if you're imprisoned for your faith in a Muslim country. Yeah, you don't have to be a Christian to be a church. Uh, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian there. Or if you're nailed to a wooden cross two thousand years ago, right beside the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But other than that, other than that, the Bible knows nothing about Christians not meeting regularly together as a church family. Meeting together is an act of love to one another. You being here is an encouragement to the rest of the family, so don't stop meeting together. Don't stop meeting together, as some people do. Don't be like that. No, encourage one another simply by showing up. It will be a blessing to you and your presence will be a blessing to others. It will be good for you and you'll do others good. So if you feel you're you're on the fringe of the church and you don't matter to the life of the church, guys, let me encourage you. Come in from the cold. Come in from the cold and make it a habit of joining in and turning up Whenever you can. So point number two: the way to God may be dreadful. Read with me, please, verse 26. If we keep on deliberately keep if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them And who's insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So my point number two is the way to God may be dreadful. If if your child or your grandchild goes running out into the road. You only have one option, don't you? You yell at them to stop, and then at the same time, you run after them, you sweep them up in your arms, and you take them back to the pavement where it's safe, out of the way of that huge truck, which was coming, hurtling towards them. Once you're back on the safety of the pavement, and the, your heartbeat starts to settle down, you look them right in the eye, and you say, don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever do that again. Did you see that truck? It could have killed you. Now, you warn them of the danger. That's the loving thing to do, isn't it? It would be so unloving just to let them go off onto the road and risk being killed. That that would be a dreadful thing. The loving thing to do is to warn them. Don't you ever do that again. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews wants to do. He wants to warn, with a lovingly warn you of the dangers if you're not a Christian or if you're turning your back onto the Lord Jesus. Verse 26 says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. He's not talking about sin in the general sense. He's talking about giving up on your faith and turning your back on the Lord Jesus. Do you know people that have done that? Do you know people who've given up and walked away from the church? My own brother is one of them. I can picture many people who used to go to church when I was younger and have now given up. Well, folks, they are are in a... Dreadful position. Dreadful position. You see, it starts when, verse 23, they don't draw near to God. And then, verse 24, if they stop doing good works, motivated by love. And then, verse 25, then they start meeting together. And then the heart goes cold, and they drift from church, and they drift from Christ. Once you start drift from Christ, it's an insult to him who shed his precious blood on the cross to save them for their sins. Remember the solemn warning of verse 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, we need great wisdom and sensitivity to tell people that. Now, most of us, as I say, can picture some people who've Drifted away from the church. It needs great sensitivity if you're going to share share verse 31 there. But be diligent with prayer. Boldly invite them to social events at the church. Perhaps if your life group is having a meal together, invite them to that. Invite them to things like refresh. But do it gently and encourage them to come back to the Lord. Because it's a dreadful thing. A dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. My third point would be, the way to God may be difficult. Verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you know that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So don't throw, throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. As we talk about our faith to our family and friends, then we can expect that some of us are going to tease us, some of them or going to be like my other brother, who turned his back on the Lord and has now come back, but when I talked about him, t- talked about the Lord to my older brother, then he would bite my head on and say, shut up Aaron, I'm not interested. That's the kind of thing that the writer to the Hebrews is talking about. We may face that. We, we probably won't face the level of persecution that the people who received this letter uh, were facing. Some of them faced imprisonment. Some of them lost their homes. Many would face public, being publicly insulted. But they weren't going to give up on their faith in Christ because what they had in Christ was better. What they had in Christ is better. They don't. They didn't give up. So neither will we. Neither will we. We will not shrink back. As it says in verse 39, remember the wonderful privileges that you have of entering God's presence, as we heard about in verse 19. Remember, it's all because of Christ's finished work on the cross. It's not not based on your performance, not on your good works. It's all because of what Christ has accomplished. Remember, your conscience, your guilty conscience has been permanently cleansed before the living God. Every one of those things that you've done and said that you feel so guilty about, they've all been nailed to the cross and you bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Remember what a wonderful saviour who has, who loves you dearly. Remember, there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And praise God, there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. So verse 23 said, Let us hold unswervingly to what we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful to you. He's a wonderful God who loves you deeply. And he's prepared a place for you to be with him. In his presence, because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful to the end. Make sure you are. Thank you. <laughs> Remember, the best is yet to come. Amen.